0: I'd like to share with you something that uh, I'm sure would be appropriate to us uh, in, the, in the new year, and it is found in Isaiah 54. Now, I have shared from Isaiah 54 several times before, and, uh, but I'm not embarrassed to share it again, because I do feel that the Lord has a word for us um, for this coming year. I, how is 2022 for you, I wonder? Full of ball of fire? Okay, yes. Anyone else want to say anything? Any one word or one phrase? Breakthrough. Wow. Praise God. Anyone else? Overcome. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Anyone else? Okay. I think that's that's very encouraging. Um I want to share with you something. For those who have experienced the things that, we, that were called out just now, but especially for those who did not experience that, or who have found that there's something about 2022, 2022 that was like the other years in their disappointment. And I want to share with you Isaiah chapter 54, reading from verse 1. Okay? Sing, O barren one who did not bear... Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will spread abroad to the right hand and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations, and will people the desolate cities. I'm going to read it again because if we really get it, probably we would be standing on the pews and jumping up and down. Okay? So we are very polite and very sedate, so maybe we didn't didn't catch it. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. So it would be a mess. The place would be a mess. The candles would be all over the place and uh, the stars would be falling from the sky. We would be completely uh, disorderly. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. I want to now focus on these two things. Did not bear and and were not in labor. Not been in labor. And there are these two things that... Mark the limit of our experience, right? The the limit of our fruitfulness, the limit of our own uh, experience of God, not being in labor, not being, um, uh, did not bear. Yeah, I just want to speak to that. And if we can think about the fact that God at this juncture of history in our lives is bringing us to that point, yeah? If you can find that place where. It feels like there's been a knot going on in your life in which you've hit the limit. Hit the limit of your own experience of God, of the reality of God in your life. Uh, You've hit the limit of your um, excitement in God. and You've hit the limit in terms of your experience of the things that have been been promised by God in the Bible. Um, Perhaps we can actually go somewhere from there. But I'm... I'm hoping that we can, as we look at the Word, be brought to that place, not in a morbid way, but in a way that stretches out towards what God has for us. Would would that be good? I don't mean to be morbid. I don't mean to be negative today. I mean to be positive in the sense that I believe that God can address all the things we've been disappointed in or perhaps we've not experienced, which the Bible speaks about. So it says, who did not bear, who have not been in labor. In fact, I would say that if we've not been in labor, we haven't got into the serious joys of God yet. The serious of joys of God have on the other side of it, sorrow and pain and suffering. The serious joys of God come only through labor. And what God wants to do is to take us out of the mud pies that we like to play around and just fiddle around with, into the serious stuff of the Lord's joy and His fruitfulness and His, and His promises to us. I'm hoping that today, as we talk about this, God can bring us to that place—the not being lay in labor, not born, not that. I'm not talking about physical, um, uh, um, physically having children. I'm I, I'm thinking about the things. That are spiritual, that are real, that are more than just biological. They are things that have to do with the 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 revelation of God, the God kind of life in us. You know, not just uh, not just the things that have to do with um um our our fun things. Um. I was uh, w- watching with the girls um, um, a Netflix movie on, uh, and it portrayed Sherlock Holmes' the younger sister. Her name is Enola. And it's set, of course, in the 19th century. But I was amazed by the fact that anachronistically, right, she they couldn't help having her use the word fun so many times. That word fun was never used in the, in the way we use it in the 19th century. But we are obsessed by fun, right? And I, like, I think fun is fun. Fun is great. You know, I I'm, have I'm no, no, no quarrel with, with fun. But I have a feeling that God wants to bring us into more serious stuff that's beyond fun. That's more seriously... I was going to use the word fun, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> more seriously substantial of God, yeah? And I hope that we can actually go there because I feel that this year, some of us may be feeling, as we look back at 2022, we are thinking, well, I had a lot of hopes in January 1st, 2022. But really, it's come to about the same thing. I was hoping that I would break through in my spiritual life, for example. I would experience more of God's reality. Maybe God will reveal himself to me. Maybe God will give me fruit. Maybe God will bring bring people into healing and deliverance and, and more supernatural stuff. The things that we all talk about in BCF so much. I thought that more of that would happen. And I was hoping that this would happen, but I hate to say this, but 2022 looked a lot like 2021 and 2020, 2019, 18, and before that. I think God bless me, but I felt that 2022 held more promise than that. After all, those people in VCF sold me a bill of goods that said, if you just come to VCF, you will experience these things. But Actually, I think I'm going to sue them because it didn't come to pass. And then there's this other group of people who are saying, well, I'm holding on. I'm hoping these promises of God in Isaiah chapter 54, that I will be fruitful, that my friends, my loved ones would really experience the love of God and experience that transformation that God has for, for me. The Bible says so, but I somehow I'm holding on. I'm holding on, hoping that it would come to pass. So some that. Now, there are others who say, well, actually, maybe we have to look at the Bible again and say, maybe it doesn't really mean that. Maybe the Bible means a certain kind of fruitfulness, some kind of good stuff, but we should uh, moderate our expectations of God in some way. So there's, there's ways in which, over the years, every time we come to a... Uh, uh, a, New Year's, a New Year's celebration, we kind of rationalize our discomfort at the fact that we've not actually seen fruitfulness in the full sense. I mean, by fruitfulness, not just anything that you can sort of, you know, shoot an arrow and then just draw a bullseye around. I don't mean that. I mean, it's fruitfulness in the sense that God said, these signs will follow those who believe. You will cast out demons. You will heal the sick. You know? Go ye in the, into all the world and preach the gospel. That Jesus said in Isaiah, uh, John chapter 15, it is desire of the fa- for the Father that you be fruitful and you fulfill your jo- my joy. You being fulfilled by being fruitful. So, I I would like us to have courage today, and I I realize it will take some courage for us to actually look into the not born, not labored, not part, not, the not part of it, and affirm that in spite of our disappointment, and your disappointment or my disappointment, God's Word stands true. And that He has this, and that he has this for us and i wonder whether as we are we are just talking this and we are listening to the holy spirit we can just think about ways in which perhaps we without being negative about it without being morose about it we can think i want it more i want my loved ones to experience god or i want fruitfulness in every area of my life, not just one area. I feel that God does not sell us a bill of goods that's, that's kind of underwhelming. Yeah? Okay, so let's, uh, let's, let's read this. We're going to read it again, from verse 1. Sing, O barren one. Of course, if we don't think we're barren, then I think this word is just completely irrelevant to us. But perchance, each one of us feels... That there is some desolation or then some barrenness, or there's more to be had from God. Ah, uh, perhaps this is for you. Sing or barren one who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud. It's not addressed to the one who's not barren, it's addressed to the barren one, okay? You who have not been in labor, you've not experienced what it is to travail or to go through the suffering of that. Yeah. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married. So what he's saying is this, what you are going to experience is a fruitfulness that is not natural. It's not um, by the order of nature, it is actually supernatural, yeah? something that is even more, right? And so he says, enlarge the place of your tent, let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out, do not hold back, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. I mean, this is overwhelming, I can't even carry on. Do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. It takes courage, right? To see the dissonance between what we've been experiencing, perhaps, and say, no, I, I choose to believe that actually this is true for me. And I want to know why it's not true, but I also want to know how I c- it can be true in my life. Amen? Well, you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring, and God has spiritual offspring for us, will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Wow, that your children, spiritual children will actually be mighty. You know, that's what God spoke to Abraham when he said, because you have not withheld Isaac, your children will possess the gates of the enemy. The enemies, wow, that's, that's, that's amazing. And therein, in uh, verse 2 onwards, I feel is the answer that God has. Enlarge the place of our tent. Get ready. Basically, get ready. Yeah, but Get ready. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habita- habitations be stretched out. So, stretch out, right? Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. The part that really struck me as I was reading over this passage is that part, do not hold back. Do not hold back. Because there are things that can cause us to not not enter into the fruitfulness of God because we hold back. See, God has so much for us. But it's scary that He has so much for us. I want to share with you something that It's a bit embarrassing, but when I was a little child, whenever I had a toothache, I didn't really want to tell my parents that I had a toothache. And I would say, do you have aspirin? And my mom would inevitably say, what do you need it for? But I did not want to tell her that I had a toothache. You know why, right? Because my mom would immediately give me the toothache, not give, give me the toothache, but give me the aspirin. And then she'll say, tomorrow we shall go to the dentist. And I did not want the dentist poking around my mouth. Because inevitably, dentists find things that are not even there before. I was having a quite perfect and peaceful life until the dentist came and found things in my teeth that were figments of his imagination, I believe. Because I did not feel it. I did not feel any rotting. I did not feel any infection or anything like that. You can understand how I feel, right? I mean, the thing is this. My mom wanted me to be completely healed I just want the pain to go away so that I could be comfortable. When the Bible, when, when the Lord speaks to us, be perfect, even as your Heavenly Father is perfect. It's a promise. He's saying, I will make you perfect. It means not just perfect in terms of dotting your I's, crossing your T's, you know, being a good boy. But what he means is, is, you will have everything that I have. You will be complete. You will move in the things that my son Jesus did when he was on earth. You will be infectious. And many people will come to me because of you. I think that's what he means. And He's relentless in the way in which He wants to heal us and make us perfect. We do not actually want to be perfect. We want to be comfortable. We want to be autonomous. You know? You know what I mean? I... So I would ask my mom questions, kind of questions that would not commit myself to letting her know what the toothache was all about. So I would say, you know, how come we have pain in our bodies? And she will go into this thing about, inf- you know, inflammation and all that kind of stuff, you know. And then I would say, oh, I see, I see, I see, see. Um, and so, what are some of the ways in which we can deal with pain at home? And she will say, well, there's aspirin, there's these things you should eat. He'd better drink a lot of water. And I said, Oh, yes, okay, good, 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 good. By the way, can I have the aspirin? Yes. And then she would give it to me and, uh, and all that. And then she would say, Why do you need that aspirin? I said, Oh, oh I'm just having a vague feeling of pain. You know, so the the, the, the questions that I ask when I'm hedging my uh, my my secrets are a certain kind of question. You know what I mean? I ask certain questions, I just drop that. And I ask those questions so that I will be completely in control of the conversation. I will be in completely in control of what happens next. We ask God questions about that sometimes like that, right? How can I be blessed? How can I hear from you? How can I be more accurate? How can I be more you know joyous? You know, how can I be more blessed? How could I fulfill my dreams? How could I become more a person of impact and all that? What kind of things can, should, should I do? Are there any spiritual techniques? How do I pray? Those, those kinds of things? And I could ask these questions of God and still hold on to the fact that I want my space and I want my control over how comfortable I feel. Because actually, I like my comforts. In fact, I prefer my own health plan than God's health plan. I sure prefer my own health plan than the dentist's health plan. So what happened to me was this. Over, these, over the years, I developed a way in which I could avoid the dentist for years. Of course, sometimes I had to go and, and I did not like the experience. And that made me not want to go even more. So I ended up taking a lot of aspirin. A lot of aspirin. Until finally, I couldn't take it anymore. And so, this space that I had created for myself, this space of comfort in which I was in complete control of the outcomes of things and all that, as long as I felt comfortable, began to get smaller and smaller and smaller so much so that instead of being enlarged you know we saw enlarged president i was actually having something that was more reductive yeah it was reducing my space to such an extent that there was less options after a while the thing about our christian life here in america and in the west is that we have a lot of margin to live quite comfortably without God. We have quite a lot of margin to live without, without God because of the fact that the amenities here are great. I was just uh, in contact with one of the, the guys who had just come to Christ many years ago, I would say about 30 years ago. He was a, a student in the teacher's training college in Penang. And we had started a church, and there was a move of God there. And uh, people were coming to the Lord in a tremendous way and seeing their lives transformed. But Max was one of those, okay? So he, but he would he was the kind of person who always say, Well, if you believe that God. Does so and so and so and so, then why don't you so and so and so and so? Made everybody feel uncomfortable. He had this kind of uncomfortable way of questioning the implications of everything that we believed, as far as God's concerned. He would take no, you know, hedging, he would not take no, he would not give God excuses for the promises that he makes that don't actually seem to come to pass. He really was very impatient with the church if the church believed these things but never manifested or practiced these things. So most of his classmates that had come to the Lord, those of the leaders, would always like say, oh, Max, here we go again. Today, Max has... Been to Burma, he's been to Vietnam, he's been to Viet, uh, to to Cambod- Cambodia, and he's been to uh, the Middle East. And he has a person who, he, with his wife, has entered into the poorest, the most destitute of situations, most dangerous situations, and been used by God in powerful, powerful ways. He's thirty years late. He's thirty years older than than than, than he was before, when when he, when he first came to the Lord in, in my in our church plan. And he is more radical than he was. You know he was a pain then. He's more of a pain now. Because he believes and has experienced the things that he has been questioning us about himself. He just came came back from Myanmar, and Myanmar is a very, very uh, restricted place. You you go into Myanmar, you don't know whether you can come out. (laughs) And he's come in and out with, with his wife doing a lot of the uh, work of church planting and, uh, and, uh, and preaching the gospel as well as uh, working with the, the, the working poor. Many, many of them, they work, but they, have not even, they don't earn enough to even put food on the table at all. Not even half of it. And so he comes back and he's sharing about these miracles that are taking place. And he tells me, Everything you said was true. I found it to be true, you know. And he's one person who went to the place where it says, you have not born, you did not bear, you did not labor, you did not travail. And he talks about the work of God not as a fun thing at all. I can see he has tremendous joy, but he's got into serious stuff. This is what I mean by serious stuff there is a way in which um, we can hear about amazing things that happened in revival. Last last night we sang one of the revival songs of the Welsh revival, uh, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, Pilgrim to This Barren Land. We talked about the the Welsh revival two years ago. We spent quite a bit talking about the, the Welsh revival. Amazing, amazing. But there's a way in which you would think that more people would be asking penetrating questions like Max asked and would be un- unnerved, disturbed by the fact that um, they're not experiencing it in their lives. you think that there will be more curiosity, more urgency in that. And I was asking the, you know, asking the Lord about this, and I've just come to this conclusion, maybe one of, the, one of the little keys, and that is that we like our space very, very much. Freedom is a really important thing in the U.S. But what we mean by freedom is autonomy. A sort of a negative kind of freedom, uh, freedom in which you don't, touch me. Don't touch my stuff. Don't touch my time. Don't touch my opinions. Don't touch my convictions. Don't touch my allegiances. Don't touch that. Freedom means a negative space. a, A space in which you are not being molested. You're not being touched. Does that make sense? And I realized that it's just like my not wanting to go to the dentist. I could have a lot of curiosity about health things and all that, but I didn't want to go to the dentist. The problem with most of us is this. As each year turns from one year to the next, we're getting older, and it catches up on us. Our health problems are catching up with us, for some of us. The things that we don't deal with catch up on us. And because they catch up on us, we have less power to deal with them and less options to deal with these things. And so I found that, coming back to my tooth problems hopefully they're a helpful analogy that when I went to plant churches on the east coast of Malaysia, there was a time in which I had hardly. There were no dentists where I was, I, was, I, was, I was going. There was only a, what do you call a, a, a hospital assistant yeah, who was kind of a nurse. No doctors there. And I had terrible toothache. And it became terrible because of the fact that I had neglected it before. I had comfort and I had my own freedom, so to speak, but I did not have healing. I was not being healed. And not being healed caught up on me one night when I was deep in the, bo- the boonies and there was no dentist. And I had to travel to the, ne- the, 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 the nearest town to go and see a dentist. And the dentist had no proper instruments. So he used a rice cooker to sterilize his instruments. <laughs> It was not a good experience. But it did the job. It did the job so that after I had seen the dentist, I subconsciously vowed that I would never see a dentist again. Then I came to America and I was so used to dentists not having the proper equipment that I somehow landed up visiting a dentist who, in the end, had been sued many times by different people for malpractice. And I'm not going to tell you too much. I'm already feeling nervous about what I'm sharing with you. He started getting putting crowns in places where That shouldn't have been crowned. Our bill was huge. Thousands and all that. You know? And uh, But I had less options now because I had waited for too long. So, praise God, my wife saved me out of my many troubles and found a dentist for who, you know, took care of it and whatever teeth I have left, are in really good shape. But we have a problem. The problem is the fact that we value our comfort more than we value our health, spiritual health. We value our freedom, our options, more than we value our souls. When actually God has given to us tremendous things. Amen? In Isaiah chapter 51... We've been talking about our spiritual inheritance, right? We spoke about the fact that our spiritual inheritance has to do with the riches of Christ that being embedded, that have been inlaid into, the, into, into our very being. Isaiah chapter 51 says, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I may bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion, and he comforts all his way, her waste places, and makes her wilderness like, like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. It's really interesting. In verse 2 it says, Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you. He was but one when I called him that I may bless him and multiply him. What he was saying is this. You know, the inheritance that Abraham had and Sarah, you have that inheritance. The inheritance is this. Even though he was just one, just one person, God blessed him and then multiplied him. Just think about it. Just think about it. When I was young, I took that very, very seriously because that was one of the words that I got when I was fresh out of college. When I was fresh out of college, I, I believed that, that that was so true. That is that you know, in spite of the fact that I was just one, wherever I am, if I was sent to any, any place, if I was just one, if I was in, you know, the first job I had was teaching English in a, in, a, in a science college, I believed that from one, he could multiply me and bless me. I want to put it to you that that, that's what God has for us this year. You may be one. You may be the only one who's a Christian. You may be the only one who's experiencing the reality of God. But God wants to cause you to be multiplied. It's a promise. It's not a rebuke. It's a promise. But the promise involves God working in us. If you're willing to let him enlarge you, stretch out your curtains, lengthen your cords, not hold back? He will. What say you? It's about time for us to look at the promises of God and not just give lip service to that. It's about time to ask, is it true? Because if it's not true, then we should actually not take Bible seriously. We could be um, liberal, we, liberal theologians even though we believe everything that's in the Bible. But in practice, what we can do is say, well, you know, maybe maybe, moderate it, you know. But I realize it takes courage to actually be able to do that. I realize that actually we are, like what C.S. Lewis says, we are playing, preferring to play with our mud pies when actually what's promised us is a holiday at the beach. We prefer our mud pies. We prefer the kind of life that we have because it may not be much, but we are in full control of it. The issue is not whether your life is great now or not. That's not. Your life may be nothing, maybe just miserable, but at least you're in control. And even if you're not in control, at least someone else has not been given control over your life. And because of that, you would rather have that mud pie experience rather than a holiday at the beach. I think we are determined to hold on to the little bit of uh, of autonomy that we have. Even if it's brought down to very, very little even though we are sick, we are in bed, and we still would not want to let go of it, when actually God promises so much more. What say you? Because of that, let's go back. We're going to be studying Abraham and Sarah. If it's really true that God could actually cause us to multiply and to experience, not by any natural means, but, but His manifest presence and His, and his reality, then I think it's worth pursuing for all of us as a church. In this coming year, we will be um, delving into it, entering into that place, and believing God that he can bring us into some, some really serious stuff he has for us. I want to challenge and invite us as a church. To ask the hard questions about what the Bible promises us. If it's true that He promises us fruitfulness, then it is also true that God is relentless in His making us fruitful rather than keeping us in the shallows. I realized that one of the biggest enemies of God's will in our lives is the good that we have. Good is often the enemy of the best, as we have heard before. I'm sure you've heard that, that cliche. The good is the enemy of the best or the perfect. And I feel that at some point, the good can, can, can become something that erodes, that corrodes, that diminishes, the purposes of God in our lives. You know, for us. Let's have a look at this. Verse 2, Isaiah 54. Enlarge the place of your tent, let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. I'm going to sort of invite us into prayer. If you can bow your heads with me, we will pray this through, okay? We will pray this through. Uh, do close your eyes. Lord, we invite you to reveal to us what it means for us practically. Enlarge the place of your tent. Make space for what God wants to do Make space for people in your life, my life. Let the curtains of our habitations be stretched out. Let the curtains of our habitations be stretched out. These are places in which we invite people into in our lives, That requires some stretch. It's not that comfortable. But neither is God saying, stretch out for everybody and be indiscriminate. We invite the Holy Spirit to come and direct us. So we welcome you, Lord, to show us maybe even people today, individuals. Places in which we would rather have been more comfortable with our own time and our own space. I trust that the Holy Spirit is at work right now. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. we don't hold back that place of comfort. Give it all to God. That place of comfort is not worth it. It's always more comfortable to keep our mouth shut, stay within expectations, social expectations and lord we just invite you to loosen our cords loosen our our stretch loosen it right now charles wesley said our loosen tongues employ loosen our tongues right now that the words that we speak will not be just the result of complex calculations and equations and considerations of what would be safe to say and what's not safe to say based upon what we project the other person to be responsive to. Lord, we ask you that you loosen our tongue so that what will motivate our voice will be you rather than our observation of people's behaviors. Let's loosen us right now. In the name of Jesus, come, Holy Spirit. Lengthen your cords. Don't keep God on a short leash. Lengthen it. Give him space. Strengthen your stakes. The more we are stretched, there's more pressure for us to be unstaked. And so, I want to invite you us to go deeper in prayer. Enter in. God is not a God who's merely activist, but he calls us to be in deeper relationship with him. You can see that enlarging is. Costly, conscious, intentional, and it gives space to God. God may speak to you about just one thing as we are in prayer. Just one thing or one person. Fully confident that the Holy Spirit is with us, speaking to us. Bless your name. Not holding back isn't, I don't mean by that, just really telling your opinion and sticking it to them, ad hominem, I don't mean that. Not being free enough to tell people a piece of your mind, that doesn't mean that's not the freedom we're talking about. We're talking about being able to be just like Naaman's slave girl, who when he saw that he was she, when she saw that he was having a leprosy diagnosis, said, If only he can meet the prophet that's in Samaria. Oh all that, just that little thing change all of history for Naaman and for Syria as well. Loosen our tongues, Lord, we pray. Enlarge the place of our tent, we pray. That's your name. We thank you, Lord, that you are here with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.